1: Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
2: We begin by acknowledging the Gabi Gabi people, the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast episode is being recorded today and pay respects to their elders, past and present, and to their parents with children with disabilities.
3: This podcast contains truth, laughter, and the occasional F-word, so it's not really suitable for children.
2: Well, you probably won't hear quite so much swearing among the beans, you know. Well, yeah. Not suitable for children.
3: Sometimes you just have to get your shits out. Shit, 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 shit.
4: That's right, this is a language warning. Oh, shit.
2: Hello peas and beans, green vegetables everywhere. It's Gary Bean here. So, glad to be with you and all that high energy with the green vegetables right at the start there. I don't think I can sustain that. So let me just settle down here now and uh, talk to you as if you're sitting across the desk from me. Sitting in the lounge room across the uh, near the fireplace there and enjoying, I don't know, a, a libation of choice. And we're having a little conversation together here now. That's how I feel. I feel like we're all in the same room together as we're talking And uh, I hope that you feel something like that too. There's a certain intimacy, isn't there, in the kinds of conversations we have. And it's nice to be with each other in this way on a regular basis. Today you're going to hear me in a conversation with a husband and wife team, Kevin and Kylie Grimley. I mention the surname Grimley because you'll hear in the conversation that Kylie refers to the Grimly Men. And uh, if you don't know their surname, you may not know who she's referring to. Kevin and Kylie have three boys. So when Kylie talks about the Grimly Men, she means Kevin, her husband, and the three boys. And she makes this lovely little comment. She says, ''The Grimly Men love fiercely.'' And that is true. You will pick up some of that as you hear their story. I recorded this interview in a studio using, you know, the shotgun microphones that you use. And I have to confess, I'm new to the technical side of all of this and I didn't have a sound engineer with me. So I was doing the interviewing and also the setting up microphones, audio levels, you know, make sure the microphones are the right distance from your mouth so there's no popping, all of that kind of thing that I'm learning. And I'm still not there yet because when I listened back to it, there was there was a certain amount of echo in the room. I don't know what I did wrong. And sometimes uh, I hope that doesn't interfere with the clarity of what was being said because, let me tell you, what was being said was gold. I I was just in awe of this couple and of their son, Isaac, who you'll hear all about. Uh, So I I do apologise if some of the audio quality is not up to scratch. That's nobody's fault but mine and I'm learning. (laughs) I'm hoping to get better at that as time goes on. Kevin and Kylie make a great team and they have been quite proactive and thoughtful and careful in all of the 20 or so years since Isaac came to us in making sure that he got the best start possible and that he has the best opportunities possible. They will describe some of those things to you, and I think there's a lot to be learned from the wisdom and the thoughtfulness uh, in the way that they've gone about things. I'd like you to take notice of Kylie's description of their circle of support. I mean, that just sounded brilliant to me, the way that they set it up, the way that it operates and the role that it's had in their family life and and in the lives of the members of the circle of support as well. I also felt like there was a really nice dynamic in the conversation because there were three of us. It was a a conversation that uh, is not possible when you're just interviewing um, a dad on his own or a mum on her own. And I really appreciated the, the way that they picked up each other's sentences and were of one mind on so many things. they have been together for over 30 years, so I guess that happens, and they, they, um, they certainly work as a team. But, you know, the elephant in the room, of course, is that for many of the peas and the beans, uh, it's not possible to have a conversation as a couple because they are no longer a couple, and some of the reality of that is difficult and we have not addressed that. We didn't talk at all about the dynamic of being a husband and wife, being a mum and dad and uh, their journey together because that's not really the purpose of the conversation. But I am aware uh, as we were talking and as you're listening now that for some of you that is, that is a very compli- complicated and difficult part of your life. So, uh, with that in mind, the sensitivity behind that, I I hope you enjoy a conversation with a couple. I think you'll find there are a lot of things about it that are both joyful and wise and helpful. I I had the best time talking with Kevin and Kylie, and I hope you enjoy it too. So, this is me in the studio with Kevin and Kylie Grimley. Hello Kevin.
5: Hi, how are you?
2: I'm very good, thank you for asking. Thank you for coming in and hello to you Kylie. Hi
4: Gary, how are you?
2: Yeah, yeah, good. It's lovely to be with the two of you in the studio talking to all the peas and beans. This is a first for me to be uh, in a studio with two people, with a couple and I think it's a lovely addition to the kinds of stories we normally get to hear. Um, Kate and Mandy often are speaking to a mum. I'm often speaking to a dad, but it's very rare for us to be able to get the mums and dads together into a studio situation like this. So thank you so much. It's really nice to have met you, and um, I'm looking forward to the conversation we have. I'm going to ask you the three questions that the peas and the beans are used to hearing because it gets us moving. So uh, is there a piece of music that either of you would recommend, something that you listen to to pick you up or calm you down?
5: Um, if I had to pick something to pick me up at the moment, it might be Playing to Win by B. John Farnham.
2: Yeah. Nice.
5: Just a lot of energy in it.
2: Yeah. yeah. And that's just the right thing sometimes, isn't it? That energy. What about you, Kylie?
4: Uh, definitely a musical theatre, uh, buff. So right. Good. we're going to go to Wicked. Wicked.
2: Uh, we have a lot of Wicked fans yeah, listening. Yes. Define
4: gravity. I mean, if, gravity. if you can't uh, define yourself by that sort of aspiration, then... Um, I don't know what you're about. Mm-hmm.
2: Beautiful. Thank you. Okay, well, they'll go into the Spotify list, and I'm sure they're already familiar to many of our listeners. Second question does seem a bit strange. So, Kevin, when you were at school, did you win any any awards?
5: Um, yeah, I remember one or two, and they would have been National Mathematics Competition Awards, I think.
2: Mathematics. Okay. Yeah, yep. Now, you were a civil engineer, is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's right. That makes sense.
5: Yeah. So you won a mathematics, a national mathematics award. Well, it was a national mathematics competition. I think okay. a lot of people won awards in that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well,
2: that's, that's, that's brilliant. Um, any others?
5: I thought I recall, but,
2: okay, that's fine. That's very good. Um, I don't think I've ever spoken to somebody who's won a National Maths Award. I'm feeling intimidated already. Uh, what about you, Kylie? You any awards?
4: I know you wouldn't realise it now, but I, I was a, a hurdler. So I, a I won... A hurdler? Yeah. So I, I think I made it to sort of state, maybe district or state... Hurdling awards so um, yeah I did a little bit of sports back in my time so I would have won some sports awards.
2: So you were quite athletic at school. Yes. Have you carried that on since school?
4: No but our second son uh, is very athletic and he often looks at us and goes where did I get this from?
2: Right he gets it from you. Yeah I think so. Right so so that's Caleb. Yes. And are either of them mathematics geniuses any of your sons? Uh, yeah,
5: our eldest son, Josh, uh, who has also become an engineer, was quite good at maths. So he's quite good at maths. So. Okay.
2: Now, you're both civil engineers, aren't you? Correct. And I believe you met at university?
4: We did. Yep.
2: Okay. He smiled at me.
4: He smiled at me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so both of you smiled at the same time or at different times?
4: Maybe
1: we're just Depending on your looking. version of
2: the story. Apparently at the same time, eventually, anyway, because <laughs> here you are. And you've been together since university then. So, how, how long is that, may I ask? I think this is a question for you.
4: <laughs> <laughs> 31 years.
2: 31. Congratulations. Thank you. Steve. That's lovely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, let me ask you then why are you a pea and a bean?
5: Uh, I'm father to young Isaac. Also, young Isaac, 20 year old Isaac. Uh, Isaac has Down syndrome.
2: Okay,
4: And I am also uh, a parent to Isaac, um, but also to our other boys, uh, Joshua and Caleb, who are 25, 23, and then Isaac is 20.
2: Okay, so there's the five of you at home, or has anybody moved out yet?
3: Uh, no. So
4: yes, the two two older boys moved out in March last year together, oh, okay. which seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> it was a bit brutal on mum's heart. Oh, I know.
5: It was actually a really good idea for them, Yeah, and I thought it was good for us that they were together for a bit, you know, they they were both at different places and they both came out of that, only out of house together for a few months before uh, Josh got married.
2: Oh, he's married, okay. So all three boys get on really well, do they, or how do they get on?
5: Uh, Yeah, no, they get along pretty well. Hasn't necessarily always been the case. They will tell you stories of, uh, of their teenagehood where, it wasn't like that, but um, you know, I think they've always gotten along pretty well and they certainly do now. Yeah.
2: And they all have a good relationship now as brothers. Yeah. They do.
4: They love fiercely, grimly men. They love with uh, all of their hearts and souls. So they might have a disagreement, but, yes, yeah, certainly uh, they'll protect each other and, and, and love deeply uh, and with everything that they are. And certainly they share that with each other, which we are very proud of.
2: That's lovely. The Grimly Men Love Fiercely.
4: Yes, absolutely. What a thing
2: to say. That's, that's wonderful.
4: We often talk about what Grimly men are and who they are and uh, we have an expectation of all of them that a Grimly man is a, is a proud man. He looks after women. He's respectful. He contributes. He is part of his community. You know, he's, a Grimly man is, is someone who, who is loved by those around him because of the example that he shows.
2: Wow. And they get that example from their dad, they I guess.
4: They do. They do. I'm going to
2: ask Kylie that question.
4: <laughs> yes, another grimly man who loves fiercely. Yes. Quite, uh, quite a lovely way that he showed that to me when we did meet uh, and we were best friends for a year and, uh, and then he said to me, well, you love me, why won't you go out with me? And I said, seriously? And I, <laughs> the young 19-year-old Kylie ran literally across the university. Luckily, he followed me because he knew that we were destined to be together. And uh,
2: You ran? You ran away or you ran towards?
4: No, no, away. I ran across oh, the university. Literally? Literally. Uh, my dad worked at the uni, so I ran to his office and went, Oh, my God. Kevin just told me he loved me. <laughs> um,
5: but yes. This is starting to sound like a stalker story. <laughs> I'm not sure this is sounding all that good for me, or was... grimly men generally.
4: <laughs> no, just demonstrating that you love fiercely. Right. So um, he knew.
2: Let it be known, Kevin, that you're the one who used the word stalker <laughs> and nobody else, and here you are together 31 years later with three fantastic boys. So that's a very good story. That's lovely. Mm-hmm. Okay, well let's talk about Isaac. Let's let's meet Isaac. You know, I'd like us to to meet him first and then we can talk about how he got here and how you've traveled together as a family. But why don't you introduce Isaac to us? Tell us what he's like. What, what sort of who is this young man?
5: Hmm, That's a good question because it's not it's not something you think about a lot as a parent. Um so Isaac is a uh, vibrant young man uh, who is uh, focused on on pretty healthy life, uh, quite fit. Um, he has a wicked sense of humour, um, a lot of character in in his being. Uh, can be very robust in what he wants, but stubborn as well. Um, works hard for things when he decides he wants them Um, um, and he's a lovely person to be with.
4: He's quite obsessed with um, WWE wrestling. So if you're in the circle of Isaac, you get to know a lot about wrestling. (laughs) Um, He runs his own cookie business, which we'll talk a bit about later. We will talk
2: about that because that is quite something.
4: Yes, and he's very proud of that and he uses the money from that business to achieve his goals and he would say that his three goals in life are to have a wife, have an apartment and have a job. So fairly consistent with what the other boys, I think, would say about their goals as well. Um, and, yeah, he, he's working hard to achieve those goals.
2: Thank you. That's a great just little snapshot from mum and dad. I thought it might be a good idea for us to listen to something that Isaac himself might say to us. He's not here with us in the studio, but you have kindly um, pointed me to a video that was made with featuring Isaac and, um, called uh, uh, Making Dough, which is an <laughs> excellent title, and it's all about Isaac's sweet treats business, okay, am I, am I getting this right? Absolutely. So it was the Focus on Ability um, film festival, short film festival, uh, in 2021, so it's just been made this year by Cody Osborne, who's the filmmaker. And we're going to listen to just a little bit of this, uh, the the, the soundtrack from the video right now because I'd like you all to hear Isaac and hear the passion in his voice and the joy in his voice as he describes what it's like to work in his business and then we'll talk about what his business is. I love my business, guys. It works towards the goal makes me feel good.
5: I love my dad because he's such a great father. My mom helped me out for my food She is a best mom, like wow, like unreal, a best mom. I'm really, 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 really
2: happy to be a very really independent a lot. So that's Isaac, a delightful, delightful to hear his voice. And anybody who would like to see that video, um, I'll have the link to that in the show notes. Cody, thank you for giving us permission to just play a little bit of that. And congratulations. I think it was a winner. Of uh, the, top
4: five finalist.
2: The top, top five finalist. And this is an international Film Festival, isn't it? Indeed. Mm. So Cody is known to you as a family and he made this film featuring Isaac. And, uh, look, let's talk about it now then before we go any further because I guess it fits in. What is Isaac's Sweet Treats?
5: Well, it's a cookie-making business. Um, Isaac was doing some cooking classes with uh, real-life skills um, at this, just prior to COVID and, and our, I guess our first Queensland-based shutdowns um, and when they shut down, uh, the, the chef there, Greg, uh, offered to come and do one-on-one class with Isaac. You know, he they got on really well and Isaac's skills were developing. He said, oh, you know, we could, we could continue this and get some really good skills going. So they did that for quite a while and, and they would have quite some dialogue while they were cooking. Of course... We were working at home at the time, working from home at the time, and so we would, we would hear some of the dialogue, and it was quite interactive. Um, the Through this dialogue, uh, at some point, Greg said to Isaac, you know, what do you want to do for work and that sort of stuff? And Isaac said, I I want to open a restaurant. Um, and, of course, that's, um, you know, that's a big goal um, and probably, you know, just a little bit out there. Anyway, they, they talked about it a bit and and Greg eventually came up with the idea of, well, m- maybe you could start by making some cookies and, and selling them. And that was the birth, birth of Isaac's sweet treats.
2: So he makes the, he bakes the cookies each yes. week yep. and packages them. Like, is this a one man operation?
5: Uh, Isaac has support in doing it. Okay. Um, and the, the amount of support depends on the number of orders in a particular week. And that, that can be quite variable. Uh, but he has a, you know, a support worker that comes in and, and works with him through that. But he's very hands-on in that process um, and goes from, you know, making the dough to baking the biscuits to um, packaging them. Um, and then his favourite part, I think, is the delivery.
2: Yeah, he, right? delivers, he delivers them well. himself, doesn't yeah. he, to his customers. Yeah. Well, that is so, that is such a, um, a unique value-adding to the business, isn't it? So he gets a, he gets personal contact with his customers on a weekly basis. How many cookies does he bake a week?
5: Uh, it, it's highly variable, but, you know, anywhere between 500 and 1,000 are probably the... the
2: 1,000 cookies. And does he drive? Does he have a driver's... Okay, so how does he... <laughs>
4: So I'm, I'm the helper and I love my Wednesday afternoon where we get to bundle up all the packaging uh, packaged cookies and we take them around to the customers and just to see the joy on his face and their face, yeah, um, yeah. to know that they're getting their sugar hit, but also just to know that they are contributing to his life and that you know that it it starts as a as a Facebook group so it's a closed group of friends and family in in Caloundra and and up to Maruchidor and people people know who he is and they know how hard he's working and they they feel part of the team when they when we deliver the cookies and the pure joy it's it's really satisfying every Wednesday afternoon we as we're driving home, he says, "Thank you for my business, mum." You know, he he has his little uniform that he puts on on a Wednesday morning, and it's his job. He he knows yes, that yeah. he has commitments yeah. to his customers. Yes. He knows that he has to stay committed to the task. And when he gives 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 over the orders to the customers, they they give him that immediate feedback and the and the cash skills and all those sorts of things of personal satisfaction of being part of the community and having a job is so critical we all want it right and exactly and for him that's just a key component of his week
2: and i imagine it's a boost for his confidence as well absolutely
5: indeed yeah yeah. he's mentally proud of it
2: yeah as he should be so he should be it's it's yes brilliant such a brilliant little snapshot of his life at the moment. Thank you. Um, why don't we go back and just hear about how he came to the world and uh, how uh, that's been since then. So maybe, Kylie, could I ask you to start us off here? What um, Was was Isaac premature?
4: No, he wasn't. He was born at 37 weeks. Okay. Um, but we actually found out that he was going to be born with Down syndrome uh, at our 22-week scan Uh and having had two lovely boys already and uh, having experienced a very different pregnancy, we went into the the scan quite cocky and I said to the uh, scan man, I'm sure there's a technical term, but let's go with scan man. <laughs> the scan man, yes. Yeah. The scan man said, oh, no, he uh, definitely uh, has, uh, he's definitely, I went in cocky saying, oh, well, uh, tell me I'm having my girl. And he said, uh, no, you're definitely not having a girl it's definitely a boy and I'm pretty convinced he's going to have Down syndrome and he just it just rolled off his tongue like that and the two of us went oh okay not what we were expecting at all but we had the amniocentesis uh, immediately and yeah sure enough within 24 hours we knew that we were having um, a, a baby with Downs. From there we told everybody we knew and we actually sent a letter to everybody, and said...
1: Did
0: you?
4: Yeah, because they offered us a termination and um, we absolutely felt that that wasn't our journey. You know, we're both Christian people and felt that uh, God had given him to us. We didn't understand why, but that's okay. We'll just go with that. And so we, um, against medical advice, uh, proceeded with the pregnancy. Uh, the, the termination had been booked in on our behalf, which we had to decline and push back on. Um, and so we then talked amongst ourselves to say, well, how are we going to work through this challenge that's been put in front of us? And we we decided that we would love him like we loved our other boys. We would um, meet his needs but not at the consequence of our other boys and we would just be a team of five. And so we wrote a letter to everybody we knew it was pretty much before emails, you know, we're we're back in 2001. So we wrote a letter to everybody that we knew that we felt would be within our circle and said, look, we're having uh, uh, our third baby is going to be born with Down syndrome and his name is Isaac. So you named named him. We named him immediately.
2: At 22 weeks.
4: Correct. Why
2: did you do that?
4: Just to contextualise and make him real that he wasn't Mm. um, this foreign thing he was already a human we um, had accepted that he was who he was already in the womb you know we weren't going to change that um, which was difficult for some around us who believed that we could change it but you know that's okay so we, we we wrote about what he would be to us and how he would fit into the family and how we wanted people in our circle to Treat him as part of that, and that I think really just framed it up for everybody. Of they didn't have to ask a lot of awkward questions because we knew what we wanted. And it, and if and if you weren't comfortable with that, then step outside of our life, and and that has to be okay because yeah, this is a, This is a challenge that none of us really expected, but this is nevertheless the journey we're on now. And if you can't really be on board with that, then please step away.
2: And what was the response?
4: Overwhelmingly, people loved us.
2: And and those people have stayed with you and travelled with you ever since. Absolutely,
4: yeah. We have a what we call a circle of support that we have um, around us, both informally and formally. We work with a circle of support that where we're trying to navigate um, massive transitions, like out of school or from mainstream school into special school, which we did, you know, um, how do we get him into school, Um, sort of a reverse chronologically uh, presented position there for you. But we would engage with that circle of support all the way along. You know, those people were, you know, my sister, who's a special ed teacher, um, our our other boys who are on the journey with us. Um, Now there's um, his key support workers are in the team. You know, when we go and do our NDIS planning, we engage with our circle of support so that we can have all those people around us and absolutely get that help Hmm. because it's not easy raising children, let alone children with um, additional needs. So we draw upon all that expertise and love that we have around us
5: um, to help I think it's also that we recognised at some point, that we have a version of Isaac um, that we see and that we, you know, we think there's, you know, capabilities and skills, but other people have, you know, differing views on that. Um, and, And that's okay because, you know, we see, you know, one or two sides, but other people see different things. And I think it's always been important to capture that and just, test ourselves that when we think we're doing the best thing for him that you know it's a rounded view on that you know we we come at at it from a you know slightly biased perspective um and so having that you know i would now use the term advisors you know that's the when i'm making business decisions i bring in my advisors you know that's that's the people that are gonna say are you sure that's what you want to do or should you go left rather than right
2: Hmm. so this Circle of support. The people who are in it, do they know that that's what they are? Right. Okay. And and, and you, as
5: Kylie said, some sometimes that's there's a, a more formal group. There's also an, there's an in outer group as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it, it's certainly um, uh, changed shape over mm. the years as people yeah. have come into his life and 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 you know transitioned out. I guess it's changed as we've. As he's needed, um, grown and and needed, I guess, different voices, that's changed.
2: So Isaac and the other boys also see this as the circle of support. You call it that. uh, And I mean, they're individuals, but he's aware that there's this circle around your family of people and you seek their advice, you you get their perspective, as you say, on things along the way, if it's appropriate. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Absolutely. We articulate it. Um, We provide wine, which helps.
2: (laughs) I should have provided wine for this conversation because uh, I'd like to be sitting here for the next two hours (laughs) talking to you. Uh, You provide wine. So you have meetings?
4: We do, around the kitchen table. Um, We'll have dinner and a a casual chat about things and um, the people who are part of the team who are paid contributors are paid for their time to be there, you know.
2: Like support workers. Support workers yeah. and,
4: and um, the, over the years one of our closest friends is a the teacher at a special school, um, deputy principal, I apologise, and, and she's quite close to us and we'll tap into her. And, um, yeah, I think you've got to make it formal enough that you can say to people this is a serious conversation but informal enough to go you can say anything here. And it's... Something that even the Down Syndrome Queensland recommend as a strategy, uh, particularly for major transitions into schools, out of schools, between schools, um, out of school and then post-school life of um, NDIS planning and Mm. building independence and working through independent living in housing, you know, all of those major transitions, uh, you need help.
2: Because there's so much advocacy involved, isn't there, at every step of the way throughout a person's life, when there are additional needs? So, what you're, you the way you've approached it is, you're not the only advocates, and you don't have to carry that entire process yourselves. You, you share that with others who have expertise and, and who perhaps could be looked at from even say the education department as an expert in a field, and you don't have to make a case. If if there's something needed, this is amazing. This is wonderful. And so as he's grown, Isaac has participated in these meetings and contributed and asked questions. And
5: yeah, correct. Yep. Sometimes that participation will be uh, almost pre the the larger group. He doesn't always love large groups, so depending on how big that is. But certainly the very fir- the few few of the first ones. Sorry, um, you know, Kylie would sit down with him in a very quiet, you know, during the day um, and, and tease out some of the things we wanted to talk about and, you know, just make sure that his voice was being heard primarily and first so that then those things could be, you know, tested and, and, and just discussed and, and, you know, fundamentally it, it's his life and he gets to make those choices. We're just there to support that um, either through framing it for him or by, you know, guiding him in directions or supporting in the in the activity of, of achieving those things?
4: The same as we would for our other boys. Okay, yeah. You know, it, it might be that he's doing things at 20 that the other boys were doing at 12. Yeah. But in the same way that when the other boys were 12, we would be pr- providing that framework. Yeah. Um, because it's a longer period, an extended period, and sometimes needs a little bit of a different framework, um, we've engaged with others to help us.
2: So you've sent the letter and you've alerted friends and family to the news you've had and your intentions and the way you, you see things going. You get really good response, uh, overwhelmingly positive. So what happens then between that point and when Isaac
5: is born? Is, is there any more to add to that story? Uh, we were in, living in central Queensland at the time, so uh, on a, what was initially a one-year contract, I was working uh, for a council out there. Uh, we made the decision to come home to south-east Queensland, Brisbane at the time, um, because we didn't know what we were going to face, I guess, from a health perspective, uh, from how much support we might need. Uh, so we just felt it was best to, to be home around family. Uh, so that was that's what we did.
4: Overwhelmingly, um, we're both information freaks. You know, the the <laughs> need to understand the problem mm. or the.
5: We're not both information freaks. Well, maybe one, maybe of us one of us <laughs> really needs information, the other one Possibly. can deal with it or can make it up for himself.
2: Now, guys, we won't go into who's who <laughs> here,
0: but
5: it's good to say a make it up for himself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, I prepared. Uh, for how birth would look and those first couple of months. So did a lot of research, um, tapped into the, uh, they were called the DSAQ back then, Down Syndrome Association of Queensland, who were marvellous. You know, those advocacies uh, that they could provide us, uh, those links into all the information and the library was amazing. Uh, And they told me that he would most likely be born a little bit early, Um, probably around 37 weeks and so when my contractions started um, during a Broncos match 3.30 on a Sunday afternoon and I'm timing contractions against it at the 37 week mark, I was calm because I knew that this was okay, that he was on his way in perfect timing for a young man with Down syndrome.
5: She was calm enough that she didn't tell me until after the game was over. (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> so 20th of August, we're pretty much at the end of the season. I'm a, you know, I'm a wife who knows that <laughs> it's going right? to go better. You
2: waited until the end of the game <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. to say that you'd started contractions.
4: Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's baby.
2: Like, well, what, well, okay. Yeah, no, look, I'm no judgment. I mean, and the fact that you've been together 31 years sort of speaks for itself, doesn't it? That these kinds of, you get these rhythms, don't you, I suppose, as time goes by. Um, Radio, so 37 weeks contractions, birth okay? How did, how did birth it all that go? Good, yeah, yeah. Um,
4: he was our quickest. I'm uh, um, sorry, that's a lie. He was our slowest, um, but our smallest. Um, but because we were prepared uh, and it was uh, my third baby, my third birth, uh, third natural birth, I knew essentially how things were going to proceed. Um, the thing that was slightly different was because we had an in utero diagnosis, we had a, a Room full of people who were there to help us: cardiac team, paediatric team, respiratory team, uh, midwifery team, uh, and so uh, we were very well cared for. Uh, and
5: it was a
2: busy room.
4: It was a busy room at that very final moment. But and
2: did it turn out that they were needed?
4: Uh, uh, respiratory were needed. Uh, he mm-hmm. had um, some um, blockages, um, but they cleared it. Um, but then. The doctors were saying, well, if you didn't have a prenatal diagnosis, we wouldn't have picked it at birth. Um, So his muscle tone was not insignificantly different from uh, a regular newborn. Um, And he was sucking his um, bottom lip into his mouth. And the midwife said to the doctors, get away, Um, (laughs) she's... She brought the baby over to me and said, did you breastfeed the other boys? And I said, I did. She mm. said, this baby's sucking his lip into his mouth. Mm. Let's get him latched on because um, that's another indicator we wouldn't have picked that he had low muscle tone as a person with Down syndrome because he was already making movements in his, in his mouth. And so was he
2: okay with feeding? He picked that up, did he, straight he, away?
4: He picked it up but he languished a little so we supplemented his feeds with other um, formula feeds and things but they would I had done all my research so I knew that breastfeeding um, would um, develop the muscles in his mouth and would assist in his speech therapy uh, as we went on so while it was almost double work we persevered uh, with that.
2: So Kevin you were there at the birth? I was. For For this one? All all three? No.
4: (laughs) this
5: one.
2: Okay and what's your recollection of the whole process?
5: Uh, Vague I've got to say Um, I certainly remember the the final final part where the the room was full of um, medical staff and thinking there's a lot of people (laughs) here but you know I just remember the joy you know Um, I, I guess the only other part was a very few times where I've seen my wife not in control of the situation and this was one you know that that's a little bit scary for a husband uh, his wife is normally you know pretty solid on her feet um, So that you know that was disconcerting I guess uh, but I, I just remember it as being joyous you know um, we'd gotten through any sort of um, dealing with well not any we've gotten through some of the dealing with the you know the, the finding out you're having a, a, a person with a disability. Um, we'd started that process, I guess, so we could allow ourselves just the joy of, of that period.
2: I imagine you went into the birthing suite with some some apprehension anyway, I guess, given all of that preparation and the possibilities. Uh, did, did it feel
5: um, like an anxious time? Uh, I, I don't recall feeling anxious about it. Uh, I mean, I, I, I would have been anxious about it any time, you know, the all three boys being born. Uh, I don't recall this being any more anxious. Uh, I don't I uh, tend not to dwell on negative things too much. Um, you know, I probably I feel like I'm going to be contradicted when I say this, but I feel like I'm more optimistic than that. Um, but, yeah.
4: The big challenge when he was born was um, a lot of babies with Down syndrome are born with a heart defect. And so for me, the big ticket item that I really wanted uh, was that uh, paediatric cardiologist to tell me that we were going to be okay, um, because they couldn't really tell in all the scans. And obviously, we had a lot of scans, but they um, they said to us, oh, yeah, okay, well, and they whisked him off for an echocardiogram and and they said, oh, well, we'll bring him back. And I said, you're not taking my baby away from me. Um, put me in a wheelchair, I'm coming, sort of thing. And, and the paediatric cardiologist said, uh, okay. And I went, oh, okay, what's going on? He said, well, he's pinking up, so he's got a heart. And I said, well, that's good news. Uh, they couldn't find it. It was on the wrong side. Isaac is dextrocardia and situs inversus, so all of his organs are reversed. And so it took him a good 45 minutes to find his heart. And he said to me, oh, there it is. He said, it's a perfectly healthy heart. It's just in the wrong spot. I couldn't find it. Oh,
3: wow. So
4: we were then definitely on cloud nine because we had our beautiful baby. He'd arrived safely. He didn't have a heart problem or ongoing heart issues. Um, So we had the, the pleasure of just enjoying our newborn baby. And for me, that is such a blessing because so many of the mums and families that we meet that have a baby with a disability or particularly Down syndrome, they recall the birth being traumatic because they got this diagnosis that was delivered in such a terrible way. You know, can we really just not say to people, congratulations, you've got a beautiful baby? Mm -hmm. You know, just have that joyous moment. We have a lovely baby. Oh, and by the way, um, he has Down syndrome. And deliver it in a way that isn't like your... Delivering an obituary mm. um, because I think we've come a long way in the expectations and the community embracing disability. I, I feel like we could deliver news about disability in a much better way, particularly in the medical prof- um, profession. You know, I feel like I still feel a lot of hear a lot of stories from families that they're getting diagnoses in a morbid way, and I know that there is some level of um, compassion that needs to be delivered, but I feel like we can do compassion in a sensitive way without being morbid.
5: Mm. Wow! Interestingly, we go back to the story of the Scan Man, um, and at the time, you know, as Kylie said, that the words of "No, you're definitely you're not having a girl; it's definitely a boy, and I think he has Down syndrome." That rolled off the tongue of the Scan Man as he will forever be known. Um, <laughs> Uh, and the way it came out, we were just we were we were shocked by that. We're going, surely you could have done that more sensitively or something. But in hindsight, that that's what he was doing. We we're saying, well, it's just a matter of fact. Matter it's, of fact, it's, it's it's doesn't make it a bad thing. Mm. Doesn't make it a good thing. It's just, just what a matter it of is. fact. And so I guess you know, in, in hindsight, we we're looking back on that. And you go, well, that's probably just the right way to do it is wow. is yeah. it is what it is and it's not a bad thing mm.
4: we look back at that moment particularly now and look at our other um, gorgeous men in our household and the beautiful Isaac and go well actually he has added so much to our family so much more that we wouldn't have learned had we not have had him in our family
2: something like what
4: Josh and Caleb are amazing leaders. They have always have been at school, in in sporting teams, in their community. Caleb is now a disability support worker because he understands it, he gets it. You know, those things, you know, these opportunities to be advocates and educators of people in the community um, when they come across a person with a disability, you can take that opportunity and seize that moment and and provide a little bit of an alternative story to that morbidity to go, you know what, he's got his own life. He doesn't worry about things I worry about. He has an amazing completeness to his day that is so much more um, stress-free than mine is. You know, he he. there is no hiding what is going on in his head. You can see his emotions on his face. Can't we all learn something from that? You know, and so that entire beauty that he brought to our family, we absolutely would not have gotten. You heard Kevin say that I'm, you know, I'm busy, I'm on top of things. Well, that opportunity to just sit and play with the blocks because I have to do the physical therapy this week. Well, you can look at it as, oh my God, I have to do the physical therapy. Or you can look at it and go, what an opportunity to sit with him and just play blocks because that time to take a breath is a requirement in my life and it's such a blessing every day Wow to just bring that to a space
2: and what about as a dad Kevin is there are there differences you could identify that have enriched the experience of being a dad similar to what Kylie's talking about because you've got you've had the three boys now and um, you know each one of them is different
5: yeah yeah no, that's uh, absolutely true yeah um, Oh look! It, it, it again. It's the simple things of um, teaching Isaac how to how to catch a ball, how to throw a footy around, how to kick a footy, um, and and finding ways of you know engaging in things that you know I enjoy that he'll enjoy and that that you know do add value through developing something, just like you would you know with. Other sons, um, it's it just making sure you appreciate that a little bit more. And, and to be honest, you know, if I think back through the years, probably didn't appreciate it as much at the time as I wished I had of. You know, um, but you know, I'd say that with uh, time spent with all the boys, you know, sometimes, sometimes it was definitely more of a chore than then, than than you know the beautiful experience that you know it probably really was. Um, but just you see it differently at the time yes
2: I imagine you've met many parents along the way and, and interacted with them in both at a, a formal level of organizations and also as friends um, have have the experiences of other dads that you've encountered been the same as the way you just described it is it it sounds you, you know you, you mentioned sometimes it's hard but it sounds so joyful. As well. So, uh, have you had much to do with other dads along the way?
5: Um, n- not, not a lot. I mean, I, I think um, you know, if I'm being brutally honest here, Kylie is slightly more community focused th- than I am in terms of you know she's more connected. Um, I'm you know I'm the I play the support role in that in that often. Uh, and so Kylie probably has more relationships with other mums, uh, particularly when talking about, you know, people with disabilities than I have with dads. Uh, there's a few. Um, and, and, I, and I think it's very much an individual thing. Um, some people are more accepting of it. Some people embrace it differently. Um, I guess just like being a father to regular kids, whatever that is.
2: We are very aware of the dynamic with siblings, and obviously because each person with a disability is an individual, those dynamics are different, Uh, but there are some themes that come through and for some time, uh, for some siblings, there are some real hardships and uh, they emerge from an experience that uh, they don't necessarily have a positive reflection on. On the other hand, there are many stories like you just mentioned about how this has enriched the relationship uh, of the siblings and given them experiences they may not have had otherwise. And as you say, you know, Caleb becoming a support worker, I mean, that is just so beautiful. Um, It's not necessary that that's the only way to express this, but it's a kind of a a, a symbol of what you're talking about there. Um, So it sounds to me like you as a team of five have very much travelled the journey together, and you still do, uh, and uh, that's just you know lovely to hear. How's schooling been for Isaac?
4: So he started his journey at um, Unity College, uh, a mainstream school with his brothers. We just uh, they were very inviting to Isaac's um, inclusion within the school, which we were very thankful for. We, uh, I think. Having a partnership with the school is what is key. Uh, I feel like if you go in all guns blazing saying these are my rights, um, I've seen that sometimes uh, and I've not seen it work terribly successfully, whereas we always tried to take a bit of a collaborative approach. Um, and I know we do have rights, um, but for us it was always a um, consideration of what might be the best environment for Isaac. So mainstream school worked amazingly through until year five, he's uh, he bought um, he built wonderful relationships with some uh, young men, particularly who are still his friends today. You know, he, he, um, a couple of whom, are, uh, young men and ladies, uh, are also support workers, having been uh, part of Isaac's life, and they were his strongest advocates within the school. You know, we. We were very lucky when somebody joined the fold of his class. Um, we didn't have to be involved and neither did the teachers. There was a core group of kids within his cohort who just wrapped him up with love and set everybody straight on what the go was with Isaac and, and that was love um, love. And that
5: included expectations of Isaac as well. Which was great.
2: You mean being realistic or how, how do you mean expectations? Uh,
5: expectations that Isaac would, you know, pull his weight to the extent that was possible. Oh.
2: Ah, yes. Okay.
4: And so it got to year five and uh, obviously year seven is the beginning of middle school um, uh, in Queensland. And so we started a conversation um, about term four of year five with the school and and they said, we're really worried about middle school. And I said, so are we, let's talk about that. And they said, "Um, we don't really think we can help you. And we went, Wow. Okay. Okay. Now, this was coming from a a head of primary who had been on the journey. His beautiful wife had been Isaac's um, teacher aide within a classroom. They were completely committed to the inclusion of Isaac, and we all felt that it wasn't best for him to continue. And so we worked together to figure out what was going to be best, and we did a lot of soul-searching and school-searching. A lot of (laughs) school-searching. And we ended up that um, we felt that the best option for Isaac moving forward was uh, Karamundi Special School because we absolutely felt like he didn't um, need to know the ins and outs of the journey of Captain Cook. He needed to understand how to cook.
2: Wow. Wow. Now, there's a soundbite. Yeah,
4: absolutely.
5: <laughs> Have you used that before? Because I've never heard you say that That's before. That's very good, yeah. Well, it's the I...
4: fundamental of it, right? He didn't need to know biology and chemistry and, you know, anything like that. He
5: According needed... to our other boys, neither did they. Correct. <laughs> <laughs>
4: and I've heard that a lot, you know.
5: Yes. So many yes. of our
4: teenagers would do better from cooking, yes. budgeting, yes. money skills, learning how to use public transport. L- I
2: So-called life skills. Correct, yeah. Isaac's
4: the best at using buses in our family. You know, he's got a lot of skills that I don't have um, and that's because of Karamundi Special. So while I understand there's a drive for full inclusion of kids into mainstream schools, that's okay for lots of families, but I feel like Karamundi Special, and Isaac is a really high-functioning young man with Down syndrome, And I feel like he is a high functioning young man with Down syndrome because he had the best schooling that we could possibly come up with for him, which was a balance of the social skills and the social fabric of what a regular school and regular life and regular people looks like. And then transition into focused life skill planning for that secondary component where he got out the back end of Karamundi and he had all of these skills that he could implement um, where we are confident he's going to live independently. He's created his own business to create his own job and I've no doubt that he'll find someone to love and have as a wife because he was set up uh, from his schooling environment to succeed.
2: Does he still want to own a restaurant? (laughs) Uh,
4: I haven't tested that for a while but... He's currently doing some training in a cafe and I think... um, the cafe still comes up occasionally that he wants to run a cafe. So we'll see about that. Um, but, yeah, certainly whatever he sets his mind to. Um,
2: I mean, when you're out. 20,
5: who knows what you really want Correct. anyway, yeah, no matter right. who you are. So that's, that's fine. Can you, does that statement work for a 50-year-old as well? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so tell us, uh, Kevin, do you really know what you want in life uh, yet?
5: <laughs> yeah, I do. I've got it. Yeah. What have you got? That's not a fair question. <laughs>
4: Here comes the tears.
5: <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, have uh, an amazing family, an amazing wife, um, boys that uh, I'm proud of, men that I'm proud of, um, and that are proud of me. Um, uh,
4: we're expecting our first grandchild, um, which is very exciting.
2: Congratulations. Thank
4: That's, you. Yeah. So the beautiful Josh and Susan. And, uh, I. you know, I think that that is also um, something that we're immensely proud of is the, the ability of our older boys to choose sisters for Isaac, as he calls them, who are mm. a beautiful complement to our family. Mm. You know, just that addition of... Young women who embrace him for the wonderful person that he is, you know there've been some girlfriends along the way that just didn't get it, and my boys just go, "Well, if you don't get that, you don't get me well, they haven't lasted, yeah, so wow, and you just you look at the Ivy and Ivy, who's Caleb's partner, and um Susan, who um, Josh married last year, who is expecting and you go, well, you we couldn't be more proud of those men for choosing women who are a perfect complement to them and the, the life, the journey that they've walked with their brother and they just wrap him up, you know, in in their day-to-day and they're now part of the journey.
2: We're, we're nearly out of time, unfortunately, um, but... Could I ask you, uh, is there something that you, either of you, wanted to say, or that we missed and skipped over that you wanted to say before we finish?
4: Only that the cookie business has allowed Isaac that opportunity to convert the front end of our house into a self-contained apartment ah. for himself. The cookie business has funded the kitchenette um, that he, you know, once his brothers moved out, he took over the space and. You know, um, for his twentieth birthday, everybody bought him all of the kitchen plates, cups, cutlery, knives, um, and we bought a fridge just to give him that extra time that he needs to make the next step to independent living. You know, just
2: so that's his space. Like it is. He, he's yep. that is a step towards independence,
5: isn't it? That's yeah. his space, and he cooks there and packages there. That's where the work happens. Uh, the uh, no, cookie no the cookie business. Still happens in the main kitchen because it takes two ovens. Okay, yeah, okay, um, and a lot of bench space. Right, uh, but, he but that's cooks, his his space. Yeah, know. that's his space, and and he cooks uh, some meals for himself. Um, certainly, breakfast prepares lunch for himself on the days that he's at home for lunch, which are pretty rare. Um, and uh, but you know, washes up his own dishes. You know, um, does all those things, leaves them for as long as he feels comfortable leaving them. Just like most uh, teenage men would, um, yeah, yeah. But that's his becoming that's his zone, and yeah, uh, you know, we knock on the door before we come in, and, and yeah. you know, we'll go and say good morning, and uh, and he'll come out and say good night, and we'll interact at other particular parts of the day. But he's got a little lounge area in there and lots sort of stuff, so he's um, yeah, making another step.
2: Anything you wanted to add, Kevin, before we wrap it up?
5: Yeah. Uh, no, no. I just think that, um, like Kylie said before, um, that you know, he's very much shaped our family in a lot of ways, and you know, and I, I think it's brought a roundedness to us. That you know, who knows what might have been if things had been different. Um, but, but I can only think that we are more rounded uh, as a family, as individuals, um, more compassionate maybe less self-centred than we might have been.
4: I read a report once that said 97% of people who get a prenatal diagnosis of a possibility of a person with Down syndrome being carried as a pregnancy, 97% of those people terminate. I would challenge people to maybe just take a breath, think about you know, could could you bring a person with Down syndrome into your family and have them enrich your life like he's enriched ours?
2: I feel like I'm on sacred ground talking to you two. Thank you so much. Um, I have, I'm a different person from having listened to you both, I think, and Kevin, one thing you said that I didn't expect to hear and probably will stay with me I mean, to be proud of our kids, absolutely, that's something that we aim for. But to hear you say that your boys are proud of you, you know, yeah. that's, uh, that's quite something to say. So thank you so much to both of you.
4: Thank you. Yeah.